This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. Thanks for joining us. Lots going on, guys. Lots going on. We've got got to talk some football. We've got the portal, transfer portal in full swing like it's never been in swing before. Little offensive coordinator search going on. Uh, But, you know, I think we need to start with basketball. Another impressive win over Indiana. Rutgers has the deed to the entire Hoosier state at this point. Those people fought by Rutgers joining the joining the Big Ten. They finally have someone to beat up on. The opposite has happened. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, just an impressive win at the rack. Now leading into you know what's still the pivotal stretch. We're ha- we're ha- almost halfway through it. We've got Ohio State, the Seton Hall game, Wake Forest. You guys were at that game uh, against the Hoosiers. Tell me what impressed you the most by the way they played in that game. I was impressed by. A lot of things. I think the obvious answer is Derek Simpson having that huge second half, scoring 10 straight points and kind of leading them to that win. I was impressed with the way they really dominated Indiana from start to finish. It never really felt like Indiana was ever going to come back in that game. I was very impressed with Cliff Omori getting two fouls in, in the same possession, sitting out for the last 15 minutes of the first half. And Dean Reber and Antoine Wolfolk holding their own against, you know, yeah. maybe the best center in the Big Ten, interior, at least on the inside. He got a lot of help from Moat Mag and a lot of those the wing guys that were coming in and double and triple teaming him in the post. And they got a lot of help from Indiana missing open threes and missing free throws. But the fact remains that Rutgers owned Indiana. At, at this point, I got to think part of it is psychological. I knew Indiana <laughs> was fired up to come in because I talked to Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson at Big Ten Media Days, and they, they are aware of the streak. They're still hurting from that loss at Assembly Hall. I guess there's some trap gaminess because they had beaten UNC at home three days earlier. But I don't think they came into this game sleepwalking. I think they really wanted to win this game, and they just couldn't. Rutgers owns Indiana. It's it's verified at this point. It was before Saturday, but I think Saturday really, really stamped that. And Pat kind of wrote that, too. I think it really, really did stamp that. Yeah, Pat, go ahead. I mean, you did you did write a nice story about that. And, and, and just, just that entire scene there at the rack was just great again, too. 
the the rack was unbelievable. So every seat full, completely rocking. I was ready for the court storm. I was down there, but then it didn't happen. Whatever. Um, what I was most impressed was this key stat that they t- Rutgers basketball tweeted out the day or two before Indiana was that they lead the country in opposing three point percentage, like opposing teams shoot the lowest percentage from three in the nation. And we kind of dogged it because they're of who they were playing. Right. But then they faced Indiana and they did the same to Indiana. And I yeah. was, I was blown away by that, the way that they played them on the perimeter and yes, Indiana missed some shots, but I thought their, their defense was just so good in that game and hands everywhere. And you can't take away from what everyone says that Michael's defense is in, it's an elite team. And I guess we can get onto that. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the key. And you, you look for the identity of this team. It's the same identity that it's been, for, since Steve Pico's been here, it was just, the defense was elite, and I love what you wrote, Brian, with the Pomo Kehi, the advice, the the kind of you know egging on Derek Simpson. That's to me is a mark of a good program. And we, we talk so much about all the changes in college sports and all the stuff that's happening with the portal and and players transferring in and out. This is like an old school good college program when you have a guy who stayed who could have gone someplace else who stuck with it who knows what Rutgers is all about who knows what Steve Peichel's team's all about Paul Mulcahy encouraging a freshman coming in and having his first moment be a killer be a killer I mean I think that's just such a great sign totally agree and I think that in this new era that's kind of how Rutgers is going to have to compete because uh, barring a sudden change or Elon Musk deciding to become a Rutgers fan they're not going to have the capital to compete with these big time schools for transfers and players but you beat that by having, like you said, an assembly line of guys who come in, play when they're young, develop, become part of the identity of the program. We were all worried about Ron Harper Jr. and Geo Baker moving on, and we were wondering where, how they were going to replace them. The guys are there, Paul Mulcahy and Caleb McConnell, and now they're planting the seeds for Derek Simpson, for Milwaukee Mag, these guys when they leave next year to come in and, and replace them, right? So uh, it, it's a continual process, and that's how you beat these Teams with, for example, they're playing Ohio State, who has a quartet of elite freshmen. How do you beat elite freshmen with veteran seniors who know what they're doing, who know what the coach wants, who execute to perfection? It's why Rutgers, despite not recruiting as well as these other teams, are competing and and beating Indiana. Right? It, 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 I totally agree with you. Sign of a great program, and really, this is probably going to be the way this program is going to be under Steve Peichel for the foreseeable future. And you could tell that fans really like these guys. Fans really like Paul Mulcahy. They they really like Caleb McConnell, and that's how you build a fan base that shows up to the rack and yeah. and makes that kind of noise. I think that that's the sign of an old school program. Fans complain that they can't identify with players as much because there's always player movement at Rutgers. That doesn't seem to be a problem at all. All right, let's I'll, dive a little I'll, deeper into Simpson because I think he he's such a key to this. Pat, I mean, just the way he can tack the basket, uh, hitting outside shots too. I don't know. I mean, is this the guy now? Well, we've been thinking about this for a while, looking for the guy who's going to replace Geo Baker as the shot maker late in the game. Is that Derek Simpson already at this at this oh, stage man. of his career? I don't think so yet. I don't think he's the big game kind of guy just yet. He maybe yeah. he will be down the stretch, but certainly has that potential and skill set. I think when you were talking to when Brian was talking about and you as well about old school programs. I think Rutgers is an old school program in a sense that it recruits that way as well. Like Derek Simpson was another under-recruited guy by the major boards and guys that go to these training camps and things like that. But he's a, he's a guy that just fits the system so well. He just is the perfect blend of, you know, inside outside game and, and great distributor of the ball. So 
I don't think he's the big shot maker yet, but he yeah. certainly can develop into that. And you saw it in that game against Indiana. He was scoreless in the first half and then just exploded on that run to really put the game away. So if I was to look for, if I was to look for like something that did concern me, there was a stretch where like every, like Andre Hyde's taking every shot. Cam Spencer can't create his own shot. And, and I, I get it like, all right, so it's still early. He's only been, he, he looks like, he, I don't want to say looks like a Patriot League player because he's certainly a good player. He's far more versatile than I thought. But at the same token, is he going to be able to score in the Big Ten? Like, I, I haven't seen that yet, Brian. Am I, am I overreacting to a couple of games? I mean, probably because the sample size is so small, but we're at three games now against non-tomato cans, and he hasn't really played well against any of them. Uh, and I mean, the opportunities were there against Indiana. It's he had some open shots that he just didn't knock down. And I think that's really the first step. He has to, he's going to have to take the opportunities that arise. I do think the the signs are there to be a bit concerned in that just the athleticism gap between him and Xavier Johnson, for example, or other guards in the league he's he's playing against. Uh, I do think he has to adjust to playing at this level, right? Because I mean, again, it's his second game against a high major opponent. I, I would not write him off just yet, but I certainly agree that early signs are not great. And just the offensive issues in general, to bounce off your point, Rutgers is not great offensively. This really is a vintage Steve Peichel team in that defense is going to carry them and they're going to have to play well enough offensively to win. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They still miss layups at an absurd rate that uh, confounds me. <laughs> yeah, it's that amazing. It, it's amazing. Um, and they're they're decent at free throw shooting at this point. They're shooting 70%, which is you know fine. At some point, there, there's going to be a game where they can't hold a team to 48 points and they're going to have to score. I'm curious to see if they're going to be able to rise to the occasion at that point. But if they're going to hold teams under 50 points, I, I, they might not have to. Yeah, if you saw that Illinois game last night against Texas, like, oh, my God, the offense that was in that game. Can you imagine Rutgers going shot for shot with Illinois at that point? Like, oh, my God. That's a great point. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I mean, that, that's that's the big question. But, but that's been the question about this. Again, it's been the same question about this program, and they, they've done just fine. And bigger picture, the net is strong. IU is that nice quad one resume patter already you've got that in december uh this is proof that they're going to compete certainly against the the top uh big 10 teams this is the first true or false i was going to put in here but i'll put it right now are we seeing is this now is this convinced you that we're looking at an ncaa team yes as long as they get past the two bucknell and coppin state trap games on holiday week that which i i have no reason to believe they won't bucknell we're worried about bucknell I'm not worried about Bucknell, but I'm not saying it's it's irrational to worry about Bucknell. <laughs> but if they beat those two teams and if they win the next two home games against Wake Forest and Seton Hall, I think Rutgers enters January with a really, really, really good chance of making the tournament. And if they can steal a win at Ohio State on Thursday, that would be I mean, they'd be right they'd be seventy five percent of the way there, assuming they keep on this track, keep winning games at the rack. I still would like to see them win games on the road. They should have won that game at Miami. That would have been a huge feather in their cap. Look, they won four games on the road last year in the Big Ten. I was looking at it this morning, and I was surprised at that number. It didn't seem that way. If they can win four Big Ten games on the road again, they're going to be a shoo-in for the tournament. And the Big Ten's stronger than we thought, too. Right. I mean, we that was one concern. Like weak Big Ten, only seven teams might get in. I don't, I mean, I'm not seeing that now with Maryland, with some of these teams that people thought would be down are really good. You guys want to dive into true or false? Let's do it. Let's let's have it. It's a good transition to football too, but we're gonna start with one uh, from basketball, true or false, and uh, yeah, let's go. True or false? Forget Indiana. Rutgers could beat the Knicks at the rack. <laughs> Fonseca. True or false? Oh, true. 
Pat? With the way that nobody plays defense in the NBA, it would be an interesting match. Yeah, I get I want to go false. Maybe the Nets, though. Maybe the Nets. All right, true or false, bullet dodged. Rutgers will not lose any key players in the transfer portal. You at that point yet, Brian? True or false? We're, for, we're three days into the portal being open. I'll say false. A little too early for that. Too early? Pat? I'm going to say true. Wow. All the okay. key pieces are still there. All right, I'm going to say false, too, just for the earliness of it. Uh, a lot of time left. True or false? Why the rush? Greg Schiano should take his time with the offensive coordinator search, which he certainly is doing. Brian, true or false? False. <laughs> okay. Pat? True. True. I don't. I can't come up with a really compelling reason to, to say false. I'm going to say true as well. I'm not going to change anything. Uh, true or false? Rutgers has found its recruiting strategy. Wait until New Jersey kids want to transfer back home. Uh, Fonseca, true or false? True. So false. So false. <laughs> uh, gosh, your conviction on that makes me wonder. I'm going to go false as well just to hear your answer. All right, true or false, though? And along those lines, Jaden Bellamy will be starting in the Rutgers secondary next year. Notre Dame transfer, Bergen Catholic star. Fonseca, wow. true or false? Our Todrick Hunt seems to be confident that Rutgers has a chance, so I will say true. All right, Brian. That would be uh, Patrick, and I'm going to go with a oh, Patrick, uh, I'm false sorry. there. <laughs> Close enough. There's only two of you. I could get get that far right. All right, I'm going to go. But here uh, you go. Here's a package deal. If Jaden yeah. Bellamy comes back, does Jaden Gould also come back? A package deal like Lanseca. A lot of Jadens in this. There you go. Now you're having kids. This, this is a little far field, but now you're having kids. This is like something you have to worry about. Like we thought we're naming my son Julian at the time. There well, don't be any Julians. No, there were like, you know, 53 parents of Montclair had the same idea about that. And then now he's got a Julian in his class. Anyway, unrelated to that. A lot of Jadens out there. That one, that was one we definitely knew to avoid. All right. Finally, true or false? See Vivian Stringer deserved a better send-off than what she got this weekend. Brian. I'll say given all of her accomplishments at Rutgers, I'll say true. Wow. Pat? I thought it was a perfect send-off. Okay. You're going false. Yeah, I thought the $5 million she got on the way out the door was a pretty good send-off. <laughs> so I'm going to go false as well. All right, let's just start there. You were there. Tell me about what you saw. What was the deal? I mean, sort of like another – she again didn't answer questions. I guess that's it. Well, we're never going to – it's just one of these things. We're just never going to have an answer to the, the question we want to know. What happened? She's just never going to answer it. That's it? It's over? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I went to – the, she was honored at the March of Dimes uh, luncheon, annual luncheon in New York last week. Mm -hmm. I went there. Uh, I got less time with her than I had been told and expected uh, and maybe not as much freedom to ask questions as I would like. But I did ask her why she ended up taking the leave. And she said essentially that she was exhausted and she needed the time. I couldn't really follow up. But I, I think, you know, I think this is going to be a case where we never really get a straight answer from her on it. And frankly, at this point, I think it is time to move on. And it happened. It is what it is. To, to the point of the true or false, I I totally understand why it happened the way it did. Her exit from the program was less than gracious, and it was very confusing for everybody, and it really tarnished the end of a great career that she had here. But that is my point, too, that she's one of the greatest coaches in Rutgers athletics history, Hall of Famer in her sport, revolutionary coach in many ways. And you know, there's 2,500 people there, uh, a lot of former players and everything, but that place should have been packed. If, if, all, if everything had gone well as it should have, the place should have been packed and the team on the court should have been a lot better. There was only eight players on that roster because of the way things ended with her. They were completely yeah. outmatched by a top, top five team. The fact they only lost by 14 or 12 or whatever it was is a borderline miracle. 
it just felt like it could have and should have been a better day. Uh, part of that is her doing, and it's just a sh- it's just a shame that given all the great things she did, that's the way that's the way it went out. Like, just correct you, it's not part of it that's her doing. All of it is her doing, though, right? I mean, what part of it is Rutgers is doing? That's she signed point. a contract on Tuesday and took a leave on Thursday. If she knew she was exhausted on on Thursday, certainly she knew she was exhausted on Monday before she signed the contract. I, I don't know. Again, we don't have to relive this, Pat, but Pat, but it's just I can certainly understand why Rutgers fans weren't in the mood to go there and and, and give her a rousing ovation with this team that only again has eight players because she was Cokie's Washington was hired so late and there's nobody left. Yeah, it it was a sad ending for a glorious, glorious career. It's it's such it's such a shame if you're a, a true Rutgers fan. You want to think of C. Vivian Stringer, like Brian said, as a revolutionary coach and icon in the sport. I think when she did officially retire, you saw all the different national perspectives of what C. Vivian's career meant and the way she changed the game and success at all these different places and what she did in terms of you know racial scandal and all those things like that's why it's it's so hard to put it all into perspective into just one category of oh it's so unfortunate that this team stinks because of what she did at the end i mean it was she it was a debacle there's no question about it but i think her overall legacy trumps whatever happened at the end that's a fair point fair point uh, all I right. do wonder that, how she'll be remembered, though. Are people going, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, are people going to remember how it ended or are people going to remember what she did before it ended? I think it's, before it ended, I think 10 or 15 years from now, the name will be on the court. They will, they will remember her greatness and the success before she, they remember the end. Absolutely. I agree with that totally. All right. Let's dive into the portal. I, I find it amazing now. And this is just another, you know, where we are in, in college football, but that players with eligibility remaining now have to announce they're coming back in a a really fancy graphic on twitter or instagram or whatever on social signed. media so exactly willie tyler uh Keyson abraham coming back great news for rutgers uh whether or not you know tyler is the long-term solution at left tackle I mean, he certainly played there all year he was their best option on the offensive line certainly abraham had a great year a good year very good year in the secondary an important player I don't know. I mean, I I wonder if the the portal thing's a little overblown. They haven't lost anybody yet. Where I was like, oh no. I mean, they've lost some contributors. I mean, what, who's the biggest player they've lost? Austin Dean. You're right, and they've lost more people to the NFL draft, the seniors that didn't take that extra year than 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 they have to the portal. So you're right, oh, right. 100. You're 100 right. right. They haven't lost one wow person in the portal yet. Were we surprised by the NFL draft guys, though? I mean, Izian. No, no, I wouldn't say surprised. Uh, Izian was could have come back, and he, but he had such a good year. You don't blame him for going. And the other guys um, that announced all had no more eligibility left. There was four guys, all the three wide receivers, and uh, the other guys escaping me. But th- they just put the graphic up to get some love on my Instagram. J. Yeah, my J. They, they they couldn't come back if they wanted to. They just wanted right. to, you know, get get some backpats and and likes on Instagram as they as they deserve. So I'm going through the list here, Banton. Sean Collins, Austin Dean, Andrew Vince, Joshua Youngblood, who really never lived up to what they expected from him. Uh, Matt Alimo, I'll be fascinated to see where he ends up. I mean, I think he, my, I feel, uh, for what I understand, he played her the entire year at a tight end, certainly did not make any sort of an impact this year. I mean, looking at it right now, if you if you if you if you were handed that list, if you're Greg Shannon and someone said, "Here's who you're losing," you probably would go, 
okay, I dodged a bullet, right? Yeah, the only real contributors were in positions that they have a lot of depth. Defensive line with Sean Collins, uh, linebacker, mm-hmm. they're getting two guys back in Muhammad Ture and Moses Walker. Uh, and then in wide receiver, it hurts to lose young, young blood just because they have no depth there whatsoever. But like you said, he's been hurt for most of his time here, and he never really lived up to the expectations he had coming out of Kansas State. This is the thing to remember with the portal, that this goes on now for, what is it, 45 days? So this is more like Major League Baseball free agency than than, than something, instant gratification. You know, Aaron Judge just signed with the Yankees, thought he might go to the Giants. It took a month. I do wonder... I do wonder if behind the scenes, there are some guys who are on the fence about this, who are exploring their options and who are waiting and wondering if, okay, you know, I want to stay here, but suddenly something just opened up here, another program with some NIL money. I mean, is that, is that where the NIL thing's going to happen? It's not going to be this instantaneous thing where all of a sudden Aaron Lewis is leaving for, for a big payday someplace else, but you know, a roster spot shakes open and suddenly that's, that's when, that's when the movement happens. What do you think? Well, you bring up an interesting point. Someone brought up to me a theory that this could happen in waves and that this is the this week is the initial wave of people that enter the portal, players mm-hmm. that find their landing spots. Teams then reevaluate after a week or two and they say, we need spaces here. And players realize that they enter the portal. So you could see this kind of happening, like you said, in two, three, four cycles through the next month, uh, which is why I think it's too early to kind of count your laurels and, and know that and think that there's no real major losses happening. Rutgers could very well go the rest of this whole window without losing a major name. I just don't think you could be sure of that until the last day of the 45 day window. Let's flip it the other way, Pat, just the, the, the portal is a two supposed to be a two way thing. looks like they're going to get, and you, did you cover Jaden, Jaden Bellamy? I mean, absolutely. Jayden? Absolutely. Oh, and Jaden Gould, both Kurt and Catholic Jadens. So tell us about those guys. It seems like, uh, Bellamy, they want, I mean, according to Todd, they flew, co- they flew a couple coaches out to South Bend to talk to him. Clearly that you don't do that. If you don't think you got a shot and to, to, get, to, to get him. And he was a Rutgers legacy too. Like his dad played at Rutgers and he would, people thought that they were going to get him out of the, out of the gate. He went to Notre Dame, Jaden Gould also from Bergen Catholic went to Nebraska. He's now in the portal as well. So people thought at one time there were going to be a package deal to Rutgers. Like they, there's a picture of, of both of them with Greg Schiano as a little kid. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Todrick wrote that story um, maybe two years ago. They both kind of come from the shore, but Bellamy, uh, great athlete can can kind of do it all but to answer your other question about Rutgers has found its recruiting strategy waiting for kids to come back I said that's not always the best strategy because there's always the other side of it well why didn't they play at Notre Dame or why didn't they play maybe of course that they're not going to get on the field as a freshman at Notre Dame but still there's there's something certainly that could be flawed about their game that they just didn't realize at the time so I think that's a that's a flawed way to recruit is that the case here though I mean, I, freshman at Notre I Dame. I thought Bellamy was a, a terrific high school player, and I thought Jaden Gould was a terrific high school player. And I'm sorry to keep lumping them together, but I right. I, I always do. Um, from what I was told, that Gould just kind of um, he got hurt and maybe isn't the same exact player, but Bellamy kind of has a lot of potential, which is why uh, Todrick is so high on him. You, you'd have to ask Todrick about his tape and those kind of things, but uh, I thought they were both really good. And if I had to rank them coming out of high school, I would have thought Gould was better than Bellamy. Really? I'm yeah. surprised. And uh, I would be surprised they wouldn't take them as a package deal. Uh, why not? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Certainly. Absolutely. Why not? Why not? That's, like, that's a position where you simply cannot have enough depth and players. Ruck- and Rutgers has had great success with kids in the secondary yes. too. Right. And this is a good transition because I think that's what hap- that's what's happening now. With defensive backs, if you're a guy in your second chance and you look at Rutgers, you can say, well, look, they've, they've produced NFL guys. I can go there and get into the league. 
Experience the Heldred's Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. <laughs> the transition part is like, that's not the case with quarterbacks. And I get like, we've I've gotten like 15 emails from people every time a quarterback enters the portal. Yesterday it was Keaton Slovis from Port Pittsburgh. I get an email like, what does Rutgers go after that guy? I'm like, all right, well, I look, I then I look at his stats. He had a rough year at Pittsburgh, but he's still a guy with three year starter. Like, if you're in the porter portal and you're him, you're not looking at Rutgers, right? I mean, there, there's 60, there's almost 70 quarterbacks in the portal. I didn't see a lot of names that look like a good fit, Brian. Am I wrong? Yeah. Why would Silvis come to Rutgers if he's a starter at Pittsburgh? Why would he come to compete for a job against Gavin Wimsett? Right. It just doesn't, it doesn't make at, sense. Yeah. At a place where they still haven't hired an offensive coordinator. Now, I guess if you're Greg Schiano, you can have a vision for an offense that you can sell to a recruit. It might be a little harder to do that without an offensive coordinator to, to put that in place, which is why I think they should hire an offensive coordinator sooner rather than later. Not at the expense of making a rash hire, but I do think that the faster they can do this, the better, right? Just for everyone's sake, for our sake too. But yeah, it, it, again, we've I've said this many times on the pod. It's a difficult balance to walk. It's very hard to find a quarterback that fits those requirements. While Rutgers very well might add a transfer quarterback, I think it's going to take a very specific situation for a guy who wants more playing time but hasn't proven himself as a starter. He's going to want to either move up a level or move, you know, to another power from another power five school to that he thinks he can win the job against Gavin Wimsett. Right. I haven't seen that guy in the portal yet, at least I don't think, but there's still 45 days left. And just to, yeah. to bounce off the earlier point, I would be very surprised if Jaden Gold comes to Rutgers. They didn't recruit him when he decommitted from USC out of high school. And uh, I think Bellamy, from what I've read on the Notre Dame side, was just a fit issue at Notre Dame. I don't think he fit there very well. I don't think it's anything to do with uh, with football. Graham Murray, to, answer your, to answer your question, Steve, how about yes. if you're an offensive player, one thing that should stand out in your mind, Rutgers had the worst offense in the country. Yeah, I know. Yep. The worst offense in the country. Why would you want to be a part of that? They're not looking at it like, hey, I can turn this around. They're looking at it like, oh my God. I mean, that's just that's how an 18-year-old thinks. He's probably not wrong either. So Iowa got uh Iowa was, was maybe even worse than Rutgers. They got Michigan's backup quarterback. How much they pay that kid? Oh, well, that, I'd love to know that. That is also a very fair point. I would love to have the answer to that one. That there, there's there's an NAL contract there. I'm certain of that. Uh, all right. You you touched on offensive coordinator, and that's the other thing. Like we've got like 8,000 people tweeting at us like, oh, what are you going to report? Like, uh, give give us a sense, Brian. You've been making dozens of phone calls on this. It's a, it's a bit bit of exaggeration. Uh, yeah. Hundreds of phone calls. There's literally no waking moment that you don't you don't wake up in the morning and think I've got to I've got to find the offensive coordinator at Rutgers. Tell us what you've done here and what what you've found so far. I have probably called more people for the offensive coordinator job than Greg Schiano. That's how much that's how hard I am working. Um, right. That could be. Hey, as far as we know, that could be true. Yes, as far as I know, from 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 what I understand, because we know zero, and you've at least called one. So, from from what I know, the only people that know who Greg Schiano is going to hire or try to hire are Greg Schiano and God. A lot of people wanted. I, we mentioned him too, Joe Conlon from Fordham, and parts of his staff. 
I called around last week and I was told that Rutgers had not reached out to anybody at Fordham. And uh, obviously on Saturday, Kevin Decker, the offensive coordinator and their offensive line coach was hired at Old Dominion. You know, despite Rutgers taking a quarterback commit from Old Dominion last week is probably two or three pegs below Rutgers. So that's not really a surprise there. I've called around to a couple of other people who I've seen floated around. I And I've gotten the sense that Rutgers hasn't reached out to them either. All that to say is I think it's going to be a guy that nobody's expecting. I think yeah. last year when Rutgers hired Joe Harasimiak as his defensive coordinator, there was probably nobody who had him on his radar. Um, that's just the way Greg Schiano works and operates. I wouldn't be surprised if you found a guy that nobody has mentioned at all who it's going to be and when it's going to be. I I have no idea. I was told last week nothing was imminent, and obviously nothing happened over the weekend and through the first three days of the week. I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I do think that the, given the fact that National Signing Day is in two weeks, the sooner the better, uh, if not for this high school recruiting class, just for to be able to sell somebody in the portal, like this is who we're going with, this is our idea. Uh, but when that'll happen, I, I I don't know. Pat, any thoughts, anything to add? Just that uh, it, it seemed like Shiano took his time with Gleason. And he did. He wants to make sure he gets the right hire. And in his mind, that time is going to trump uh, urgency, uh, if that makes any sense. Like he wants to make the right hire. And if that's going to take a month or two, then he'll do it. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The one, the one name, and I thought the leader, the one who made the most sense to me was Frank Signetti, who's was on the staff, who's now at Pittsburgh. Uh, but he was cited as the reason that Phil Jerkovich, the Boston College quarterback, transferred to Pittsburgh. I would assume he's off the board. I don't know if the fact that I'm sure Rutgers can pay more to its offensive quarter than Pittsburgh can. I think I, but I that's just again that's speculation. Yeah, we just don't know. And I, I there's just so many potential names and directions he could go in. I'd be I I am I am very interested to see if it's going to be most of his hires are people that have come from his his past someone who's familiar with Gleason was not and that makes me wonder if the next hire is going to be if he's going to lean on that Rolodex again if he's not if he's not going to go outside of his comfort zone man the you know obviously he's going to take his time and I certainly understand that I don't think you I don't think rushing into hiring someone just so you can have a better chance at 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 someone in the portal was this that's a short-term thing I disagree with that and I think he does too that's where we are with that. All right. You want to dive into some insider questions, fellas? You ready? See what we Let's got from the... Do it. Thank you, everyone, again. This is a... This is what We've never had a bigger variety of questions than we've gotten today from, from people. Lots of different topics. Rocco in Florida wants to know, do you think any of the players transferring out of Rutgers is a result of lack of NIL opportunities? I mean, this was a huge story. I wrote about it, I don't know, 10 times, it feels like. We're going to write about it again next week, I think. We're going to write about it. We're going to just keep on writing about it. Is there any sense that that the lack of NIL opportunities are a reason for these guys transferring? Well, nobody that's probably worth NIL money transferred, right? So yeah, it's kind of a moot point at question, this point. Right? Yeah, right. Did we overblow that then, Pat? I mean, is that is this a topic that we've spent too much time on? No, I, I don't think it's overblown. I think it's the top tier guys that are are the ones that you fear losing, and uh, maybe it's bringing in the guys that uh, you need the nil money for. The flip side, Josh in Arlington, Virginia, has a, has a related question. His point is that there are only sixty five Power Five teams, and there are fifteen big name quarterbacks in the portal. Only three have committed. I, I take his word for it. I don't have the list in front of me. With that many, and that the big schools already have their slots filled, this is like musical chairs. Is there a chance? that at the end of this, there's going to be a transfer available that we didn't think just because of the sheer numbers. That's just Josh oh, is paraphrasing Josh. Interesting, interesting way of looking at it. I mean, 
yeah, there are a lot of guys in there. You know, it, are they going to get to the end of this thing and say Graham Mertz is going to be like, hey, got a guy that got no place to play? That's not how it's happened in the past. But what do you think, Brian? I mean, is that maybe certainly maybe. possible? I, I've I've given up trying to guess how all this is going to go. I don't know if Graham Mertz is the is going to be the savior of Rutgers football, especially when he's going to have no wide receivers to throw to or tight end to throw to. So especially because Johnny Langan could still come back. I think he will. I think he might be their top tight end if they don't get anybody out of the portal. And will is Johnny Langan. I love it. Johnny Langan can stay so long. He's going to be the, he's going to be the first college player who's going to have a retirement ceremony. It's going to be on midfield. I love it. This is great. And he hasn't really been. It's like he's not even that Corsax level of being here. I mean, he was at Boston College first. It's just we. It's just so unusual to have a guy who's like had this many lives. I, I'm glad he comes back. He's the face of the program. He's a glue guy. He'll do anything. Uh, and I think he's, you know, I think he can develop into a pretty good tight end. I wonder if there's some, it might be some NIL opportunities for him too, but that's a great point. We haven't talked about it yet. One more year, Johnny Langan. Johnny I, I just want to, how do we get to this point where we're, the fan base has already, the ship has sailed on Gavin already. It's gone. We need, we need a transfer portal quarterback. It's over. Forget it's not, about this guy. I don't know if that's the case though. I mean, and, and it, you're higher we, on we than I am. Right quarterback now. to compete with him. Like, I, uh, oh my God. But they, they just sheer numbers. This guy is going to be the savior of the program a month ago. A if, month he ago. Spra- <laughs> if he's bad, if he sprains his ankle again, who's uh, the quarterback right now? Uh, who's the quarterback? The fans aren't worried about him spraining his ankle. They're worried about him playing. They, of course, they want- yes. They want Devin Leary to come back from NC State. I get it, right? Yeah. That's not going to happen. But they do need a, bo- they need a body. I mean, right, who's, who's right. in the quarterback room? The kid, who, the old old Dominion quarterback who we know nothing about, the, the decommitted from there. Evan Simon, who we've seen plenty of. Like, I mean, that's that's a real concern, right? Austin Albridge could still come back. He has another year. Does he really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he will come back, point, but he can. Yeah, at this point, he, you know, I, I, that that that's a real question. Fair. But, but still, you're right. All your point, these questions that are, we need a new quarterback are, are mind-blowing to me. <laughs> that it's taken one month for Gavin Wimsett <laughs> to go from the savior of the program to all of a sudden out, out of contention. No, you, that is a valid, that is a very valid point to your point. And I, I, the host of the podcast might've flamed that little bit and I apologize, but yeah, I just, but it was a tough, it was a tough end to the season. Other questions. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, this was, I thought an interesting one. Uh, the greatest challenge for Rutgers football going forward is increasing the level of fan support. How do you increase supporters when the program is still losing, but when it needs it the most? I was thinking about this. You know, they had decent attendance this year. I don't know if there's an answer other than time. Like, there's a reason why Wisconsin football fans come back every year. It's just it's part of their students go to the games. It's part of their life. It's part of the tradition of being a Wisconsin University student and graduate and alum. And there was a generation of people who lost that, right, Brian? Was it was it you guys graduated from Rutgers? Was it part of your life in college? And was it even a you know a, a few years before that? Was that something that was ingrained in the Rutgers experience until now? So I, I'll speak to my era, and I think Pat will have a unique perspective from his era. I was in school from 2014 to 2018, so my sophomore year was the scandal-filled year. My last two years were the the debacles that were the Ash era. And I think the only time that people had Rutgers football in their life in those two years were making fun of Rutgers football. I think you do lose an entire four-year class of Rutgers football interest. How do you fix that? You win games. Like you see with the basketball program, nobody was going to Rutgers basketball games when I was in school. Nobody. The student section was always empty. And now 
for students, it's they're practically fighting outside the, the rack to get tickets to get into the rack. So it's the chicken or the egg thing, right? I think mm-hmm. it's pretty clear here that if you win games, people will show up. You build the support that way. There's really no other way. Those fans are going to be the next generation. Those basketball fans are going to be Dave White in, in I don't know, Dole Dave, in 20 years, right? That's what's going to happen. They're going to be coming back again. And football hasn't had that. Maybe they're going to have it a little bit more now. That I don't know. It's a good question. Pat, your, your but, perspective? Those basketball fans actually saw a winning product on like Dave White, though, which makes that fandom even different. Like right. Dave White suffered through so much to get to this point. These yes. Rutgers fans that are now students have seen NCAA tournament teams. My Rutgers experience was pretty interesting from a football perspective because when I was applying was right in the, I was one of those students that applied probably in the swarm of the post 2007, 2008 run. Uh, I was there in 2009 to 13. So Shanna was still there for most of most of my uh, Rutgers career, they were still good. I came in as the same class as Muhammad Sanu and Tom Savage. So they were still pretty good. It was a part of of my life going to Rutgers. And I came from like a Rutgers family too, where my mom went to tailgates and stuff. And, you know, so it wasn't green, but I, I feel like I'm an exception. Not, like a lot of my friends were kind of anti, not anti, but it wasn't, they weren't as hardcore fans as me. It's interesting. It's part of your experience. And that, that's a great question from Stephen. We end up and the final part, just to give a tease, the final part of our of our Big Ten series uh is it's touching on this. And it's it's Jim Delaney, the Big Ten Commissioner, pointing out this very question, like that 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 this level of support exists at other Big Ten universities. It does not at Rutgers, and that's what he sees as a big problem. So a little teaser that's coming out hopefully next week. All right, two, three more good ones here. This one, and I don't Brian, I'm putting you on a spot here. You don't know this question is coming, but it's such a good question. And two people asked it today. What happened to Jaden Jones? I know he is gone, but I couldn't find anything on the internet about where he is today. Weird and probably sad. Jaden Jones, if you don't remember, uh, big time Rutgers basketball recruit, averaged three points a game, declared for the NBA draft. Uh, and I Googled, <laughs> I did the same thing that this, this texter did. I did the same thing, Brian. I Googled him. There's no evidence of him playing someplace. What is going on? Do you any, any idea? I don't. Uh, I've been trying to find out myself. Um, it's probably something to do, to do down the road because I, I totally understand the fascination. Um, he sure. was cle- clearly guided in the wrong direction by the people around him who had much higher ambition and belief in him than probably merited. It looked like he went through the draft process and was working out daily and uh, uh, reportedly had one workout with the Charlotte Hornets uh, that obviously went nowhere. He didn't get drafted, which was the most predictable thing of all time. He didn't get picked up by a G League team. I don't see him playing in Europe, at least I, I not on his social media. It seems like he's back home at Dallas. I don't know if he's playing basketball anywhere. I don't even know if he's still playing basketball. I can't I can't know that for a fact, right? Wild. That is amazing. Uh, he could be. I'm not saying he's not. I just don't, I haven't seen no evidence of it. But yeah, I, I mean, it's certainly something I will look into. But yeah, it's, it's a sad situation because he was a kid with uh, clear talent in basketball. I think he was maybe overrated as a four-star, not in hindsight. But he just was guided in the wrong direction by those around him, which is always always a tragic thing when, when it happens. Wild. All right, and this is a question I hesitate to ask uh, because it's just going to open up a, a can of worms here. But a texture actually wants to know. Uh, I want no. This is what he, he writes. I want no workers football talks and twenty five minutes of Fonseca on the World Cup. I know he's fired up after that Portugal match. Just let him go on a rant and collect that check. I don't know, Pat. What you, is this something we should? Is this something we should do? Five, what was this five one or six one final? He deserves the he deserves the floor. Well, uh, just as a counterpoint though, Pat, at what point? 
at what point is that running up the score? I mean, this is oh. Switzerland here. They're neutral, man. They're That's neutral. True. True. He just scored six goals. He went six one on Switzerland. Roger Federer. I mean, and good chocolate. Roger Federer, chocolate, stealing the Alps neutrality. You did that to bad. Switzerland, man. It's bad mojo. Bad mojo. There you go. There's my. Let's go. Let's go. Transition. Fun go ahead, Fonseca. All yours. And we're about to become the world villain because we're going to knock off the Cinderella Morocco in the next round. Ca- classic. Morocco? Really? Yes. Morocco beat Spain, uh, and they played pretty well. Oh, that, <laughs> Morocco ended the Iberian Peninsula game. That is sad. I'm disappointed by that. All right. A little throwback to the 16th century when the Moors invaded the Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> Be a little fun throwback. I'm sure that we'll get a lot of think pieces about that yeah. in The Guardian. I can go on for 25 minutes. I won't to spare you guys because I know all our listeners mm. care, but I'll spare you guys. Yeah, I was really happy with the result. Obviously, I am fully convinced we're going to win the whole World Cup. I really am. Wow. Our manager, who I've been calling to get fired for four years now, finally found his courage and uh, put Cristiano Ronaldo on the bench where he belongs uh, after Cristiano Ronaldo complained about getting subbed off in the third game. And suddenly Portugal looked like the team they, they should be. They have some of the most talent of any team in the World Cup. They played tremendously. I don't know how much of that was because Switzerland sucks. I mean, they stunk it up. But Portugal's going to destroy Morocco. Portugal is going to destroy France. Portugal destroy is going to France. destroy France because France is going to be England in the other quarterfinal. Portugal is going to destroy France. Portugal is going to meet either Brazil or Argentina in the final, which will make my heart stop for 90 minutes. It will be the most miserable day of my life. And then we're going to win. And uh, I'm going to have bragging rights for the rest of my life. So I'm looking forward <laughs> this, to it. And this is the best Portuguese conquest since Vasco <laughs> I had to Google that as I was sitting here. I couldn't remember his name. Oh, boy. This is yeah, incredible. Right, I'm right? sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just getting a little giddier about the Portuguese. Yeah, that's good stuff. Pat, do you agree? The Portugal are going to win the World Cup. What's your take? Let's see. Uh, no, I, 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 come on. What are you putting me on the spot for? You think I Can you name four stuff? other teams? Can you name three other teams in the World Cup that he didn't just name? That would be a better uh, question. God, I mean, just go with Brazil, right? Argentina, no, I they picked still England in? on the last podcast. I England, they're still in it, right? Yeah, Brian, England's still England. in it. England is yeah. still in it. If they beat France, yeah. they're going to play against Portugal. Ooh. And Portugal owns England in major competitions. So I would right. welcome that. Yeah, I don't know. I just hope all the podcast listeners uh, think about me and pray for me as I suffer immensely for the next two weeks. Because it's oh. as fun as it is to win, those games are just absolutely brutal to sit through. I mean, I'm I'm a mess. So. Uh, think about me when when you're watching Portugal. Think about me, uh, just suffering in silence. I got oh, the same. I, I got the same say. sense. So I was watching say, it all comes back to the tomato can argument for Fonseca, right? Oh, is Portugal really good because they beat up on <laughs> tomato on exactly. tomato can Switzerland? Where is Switzerland in the net rankings of European soccer? <laughs> it's so true. It's like Bucknell. They, yeah. oh, I don't know. Portugal looks good, but they Switzerland's beat Lafayette. Like a, Switzerland is more like a temple than a, than a central Connecticut state, uh, but they're certainly not an Indiana. That's more of a France. But maybe Qatar is Portugal's version of the rack. Interesting. Another think piece coming soon to you uh, in The Guardian. That's good. Love it. All right. Thank you for the question. That was great. And I think this is going to be a regular next week. or Whenever we do this, we have to check back if they do, in fact, lose to France. They'll be, they'll be underdogs to France, right? Yeah. They would be. Okay. England? Will they be underdogs to England? Yes. Okay. So that'd be a closer game. So you're rooting, are you rooting for... England or France? Either would would be tough. Uh, okay. It, I was rooting for Morocco yesterday because I think it'd be easier than Spain. It doesn't matter who they put in front of us. We'll beat them. 
I know sure as hell who I'm rooting for. Morocco, baby. Let's get a Moroccan flag here. That's going to be something special if that happens. All right. Now let's move on. Uh, anything else? Other thoughts? Uh, wrestling. Pat, give us an update on a very good performance by the wrestling team. Wrestling won two duels at the Garden State Grapple. They were actually an underdog coming in to Penn. Despite the rankings, Rutgers came in 19 Penn was number 21. A lot of people thought Rutgers was going to be the underdog in that match based off of how Penn wrestled against Iowa, which was actually a really good performance, and, and Rutgers actually took it to him. So it was actually a very impressive performance by uh, the Scarlet Knights there in that duel. They won the first three bouts and and really took it to him. And the interesting news that came out of it was that you I've told you guys about the log jam at 184 pounds between Brian Saldano and John Poznanski, Poznanski being the All-American from two years ago and Poznans- and Saldano being the true freshman stud. Only one of them can be in the lineup. So it turns out that uh, Saldano is going to stay in the lineup and Poznanski is going to stay in redshirt, which is actually a huge news because two of the best kids on the team are at the same weight class, which is which is kind of fascinating. Yeah, I responded to that text when you're explaining that with, well, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't they recruit lighter, lighter wrestlers? And I just got, your reply was perfect. It was just like that gif of just, you know, shaking the head like, oh, Steve, oh, Steve. Am I wrong, Brian? Is that, am I wrong? That seems like a valid question, right? And not being they, a wrestling They guy? have recruited very well, very good lighter wrestlers. Well, why do they have to? They, we always talk about recruiting and you want to get the best kids. They got the two best kids in New Jersey and two of the three, or th- actually probably three straight recruiting classes. Okay. It just happened that two of them are the same weight. So it's just so, bad luck? Just bad luck. Just bad oh, luck. Okay. So that's your wrestling update. And they'll wrestle a rivalry match, just like basketball has Seton Hall this week. Rutgers Wrestling has Princeton on Sunday at Jadwin Gym. And that'll be a, a fun one as usual. All right. Let's end with, let's end this with a Rutgers Seton Hall prediction. I know they got Ohio State first, but that's the big game. Um, could be a huge crowd at the rack. Brian, any chance that this is not a Rutgers victory? Seton Hall struggling. Thoughts? I think Rutgers will be a sizable favorite, as they should be. I think they're better. I think they're deeper. I do think Seton Hall is well coached. I think Shaheen Holloway gets the most out of every team he has. I would be surprised if Rutgers does not win, though. I will say Rutgers by you know 8, 9, 10, something like that. Uh, I just don't think... Seton Hall has the horses, and I think the rack is going to be absolutely on fire, especially considering it's the first game there since 2019, and there's the whole Seton Hall ducking Rutgers from the rack a couple years ago. So uh, I think it should be pretty pretty Rutgers. Uh, Steve Pichel has never lost to Seton Hall at home. I think it's going to continue on Sunday. Pat? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Brian. Just the way they play defensively at the, in that building, it's hard for any team to beat them, let alone a struggling Seton Hall team. So I think uh, – I think Rutgers should be the favorite, and as long as they play that kind of that branded defense, uh, they should be in good shape. I want to agree, but I've just known this just the twenty five years of following this this rivalry to know that just strange stuff happens, and I would be very surprised if we can get out of the rack without something strange happening. I'll just say that I'm not Ooh. I'm not picking I'm not picking Seton Hall to win by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think it's going to be easy either. So. Leave you on that positive note, Rutgers fans. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, probably before signing day to to have a little podcast. Uh, and until then, uh, thanks to Devco. Thanks to everybody else. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.